This is Dental All-Stars, where we bring you the best in dentistry on marketing, management, and training. Welcome to Dental All-Stars. I'm Eric Vickery, Lead Mastery Coach at All-Star Dental Academy and President of Vickery Coaching. And I'm very excited to interview our guest today, Dr. William Lopez. (laughs) He was born in Atlanta. I, I still feel like you're so young, Dr. Lopez, but you, uh, you, you, you were born in Georgia, you were raised in Georgia, you went to school in Georgia. So let's look at his bio. His father is Cuban and his mother was from Georgia. He received his undergraduate degree from the University of Georgia. He earned a master's in biology from Georgia State University and completed his doctorate of dental medicine at the Dental College of Georgia. Lots of Georgias. <laughs> Following dental school, Dr. Lopez completed an advanced education in general dentistry with an emphasis on dental implants and complex comprehensive treatment. Dr. Lopez is a member of the Georgia Dental Association, the American Dental Association, and the local Spirit Dental Study Club. Uh, He resides in Augusta with his wife, Mackenzie, and their two daughters. And of course, he's got a son on the way in January, so congratulations. In his free time, Dr. Lopez is learning how to play the piano, He enjoys hunting, golfing, and traveling with his family. So welcome, Dr. Lopez. And I've been wanting to discuss with you for a while now. I've been texting you and talking with you at our our meetings that I want to talk to you about insurance and restrictive insurance and how how functioning as a dentist outside of restrictive insurance works for you. So thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate it. Eric, thank you for having me. Yeah, I finally finally, uh, tracked you down and pinned you down to a time and a commitment, huh? You're probably yes, wondering, yes. yeah. You're probably wondering, wondering if you don't do this, I'm never going to stop asking, right? <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's one of those things. My wife knows that if I don't put something on my uh, on my calendar, then I'm going to forget about it. So I put it on there for today, and it worked out perfectly. Awesome, love it. Thank you so much again. So here's what I want for the dentists that are listening, especially for those who are either considering resigning from insurance. But most importantly, I think the story that you can share with those that are getting ready to graduate from dental school, they just graduated from dental school, they're an associate somewhere, they're looking to buy a practice, and what are they looking for? And so I, I would love it if, if we just go through some questions and create some story here for them to understand. So first of all, yes or no, was there a time you ever participated with insurance? No. So out of school, boom, you're out of practice and that practice did not participate with any insurance at all. No, I went straight on as an associate uh, in a fee-for-service practice and um, yeah, did not participate in any insurance. And I had a lot of mentors that helped made me realize how important that was. So I did somewhat search out a practice like that, uh, knowing my goal eventually was to buy, but that's where I wanted to start out. Love it. Love it. So When you say, let's define fee for service for those listening or not participating with insurance in your practice now, how you participate, how you, how you handle insurance, tell people listening, how you guys do it in your office, just straight. This is how we do it. Not like you're talking to a patient, but like you're talking to dentists, right? Yes. Our, our office, we see patients of all insurances. We kind of let them know up front um, that we file their insurance for them. Uh, They pay us for services rendered. And then most of the time they'll get a check from their insurance company. Every once in a while check comes to us and then we just cut a refund check to the patient. But it works out really well because I just, I don't have to deal with looking at what the insurance is going to allow, how, you know, 
if they've had something done recently, that really shouldn't change what I feel like I should do. And it helps because the patients understand and we do a great job with your help, uh, especially um, communicating with them of, of the importance and of, of our type of practice and also why we don't do it, why uh, we want to stay fee-for-service out of network. Uh, well, we don't say out of network, but not contracted with them. Yes. Um, it just makes things uh, much better, better relationship between us and the patient. So this is what we call a true fee-for-service practice, meaning you, the patient pays the practice, we file the claim for them, and the insurance reimburses the patient directly. Yes. Yeah. Perfect. And we, okay. you know, we have a an amazing team. I think it's really important in our type of practice too, that we have an amazing team that, that does all the lab work for the patient. You know, we file everything narrative, if we need it, pictures, all that stuff is done for them, even though we don't participate with their insurance, but that way they don't have to be concerned about it being filed correctly. Yes. Yes. So somebody listens going, holy cow, that seems like a tough sell to patients on the phone. That's something that you've worked on over the years. You know, you're, you're a yeah, mentor definitely. before that. So let's come back to that. We're going to come back to that at the end on how we accomplish this with patients. But was there ever a time when you were in dental school that you thought, oh, I need to be in network with dentists or, or how did you know you didn't want to be in network with dentists? What, tell us about how your vision came to be, what you, how you came to this thought, I want to be on this side of of this insurance game? I have, you know, I'd have to think back. Um, I had several older mentor uh, family friends of ours that were dentists that uh, did not participate in insurance. They were, you know, your true fee-for-service practice. Yeah. And they talked to me about that. And I was early dental school or applying to dental school. I did not know what they were talking about. Uh, but I carried that forward as I started to learn more about the business side of dentistry of what that actually meant. Uh, so, you know, there were a, there were a lot of um, corporate dental companies, a lot of people that would come try to recruit us during dental school to go into that model. And, and I, I just knew that's not where I wanted to be. Uh, you know, you can hear great things and bad things about every different type of practice, but overall it was, there was not a lot of good information about practices that were solely uh, PPO practices and how much control they had over what you did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's actually a middle uh, part to this. You're on, let's say one side of it, fee for service, the opposite spectrum, the, the pendulum swing is in network with PPOs. It can get even deeper with DHMO and all that kind of stuff, but you're your fee for service on one end and in network participation on the other. And in the middle, there is out of network, but you accept assignment of benefit an out of network provider, meaning the check comes to you, but you're not in network accepting the insurance fees somewhere in that mm -hmm. middle. You're over here on the fee for service side, which is amazing. That's, that's completely amazing. So how did you compare in this thought process with other, your, your, your colleagues in dental school, as you graduated and they went out and you went out and you did things, you must have some stories about maybe arguments you got, discussions you got in about being in network, not in network. How did, how did that compare? Yeah, you know, one thing I always talk about dentists getting together is um, it just sometimes because becomes like a, you know, a competition. You, you don't want to come across too, you know, too combative. I'm right. You're wrong. Yeah. Uh, but there, but there's a lot of talk about that as far as um, 
you know, people who went straight out and joined the corporation uh, that, you know, they felt like, oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a partner, I'm an owner partner. And, and I just, I kind of just didn't want to come across as, you know, an arrogant person of, mm-hmm. no, you're really not, um, you know, the corporation is just telling you that, but it, it's, it's one of those things that you have the, the colleagues that are uh, 100% PPO or they, they are in network or contract mm-hmm. with a lot of these people. Uh, their argument is, is people won't come to see me if I'm not in their network. Yes. Um, it's too hard to keep patients. Um, yes. Patients don't value what you do uh, unless you're in network with them. Um, and I, I just, of course, respectfully disagree. I think it is uh, way more important on how you communicate and how you treat patients, um, what kind of time you devote to their care and, and other, other aspects of their visits, uh, what you do. Uh, but I, it's definitely not impossible to maintain that relationship and people value what you do as well. So I, I, I want to go with all of this that you're saying, because it's so true. What I hear as a coach, you know, you hear, well, I can't be out of network. Patients won't come here. Or if I resign from insurance, my patients will stop coming. I literally just two meetings ago before this, uh, he's resigning from Delta Dental PPO. And we've been having the conversations and the, and the patient knows the next time they come in, they're going to have to pay the dental office up front because that's how Delta does it. And I mean, he's had a small percentage of patients go, no, but his relationship is so good with them. They're fine. Mm-hmm. You started from scratch. You had the benefit of coming into a practice, which we're going to get to in this regard. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. Every day you have to have a conversation with patients about why you do it the way you do that you're very passionate about your relationship and the quality of care you provide, all those things that we talk about. But what I'm thinking about is what is someone listening to this who isn't really a believer in this, right? They're thinking, oh, you must not have any other uh, competition around you, no other dental offices around you. So do patients leave your practice and go to their dental offices? Do patients leave other dental offices come to you? What, what is your experience with that? Yeah, I, um, so as far as, patients leaving, we have very low attrition um, with our patient base. You know, I'm not going to say it doesn't happen. You always yeah, have every patients that does. leave for one reason or another. Uh, but I will say the majority of patients that come to us that have never experienced that, you know, pay for your, pay for your service. Um, and uh, they, they've never experienced that their first visit. They're a little interested as to why we do that. But after the second visit, then they really know. Um, they get it. They see where, what we're about. Um, so, but I will say there are plenty of dentists around us. Uh, Augusta as of right now is technically underserved, uh, in the, um, the dental industry, but right where we are, uh, there are a decent amount of dentists. So I wouldn't say it's like a lack of competition. There are plenty of people, um, for every practice. So people, um, a lot of times will come to us, for, you know, a word of mouth referral is typically how we like to advertise. You know, I do some digital advertising stuff like that, but I, I love a word of mouth referral. So somebody we've taken care of and, um, and they come to us. So again, thinking like the person who doesn't see it the same way as what you're talking about. And they say, oh, people won't come to you because you're at a network. I mean, how many new patients do you see a month? I mean, do you mind sharing some numbers? Yeah, my goal is usually between 30 to 40 new patients a month. Wow. Um, okay. So 30 to 40 new patients a month. That's, that's a lot. Yeah. So if you're seeing, so, you know, that's a, um, a, 
So that's a that's a number that I'm I'm comfortable with. Yeah. You know, if we're at the um, you know, if we're at the twenty to twenty five mark, that's usually still okay. But where I I don't want to do too many where I can't give all those new patients that first visit that really shows up shows them what we're about. The experience, absolutely. So that's what I was just getting ready to say is that thirty new patients. You you have to more than that. It gets hard. So and what we count as new patients is an adult comprehensive exam, new patients. So not kids, not emergencies, that sort of thing. Are you saying that you're following in that, that 30 range by following that same guideline or are those kids and some emergencies or. I would say summer emergencies. I don't really see kids, um, kids about 12 to 13 when they're leaving their pediatric dentist, I start seeing them. Okay. Uh, but most of those, yeah, most of those patients are, are, you know, word of mouth referral, true new patients. Okay. And so the next question they're saying is, yeah, but you probably have a lot of openings in your, in your appointment and you're not that busy. So tell us a little bit about your practice. Uh, how many hygiene days a week? Are you busy? What's it like? Yeah. So we work four days a week, uh, four days, say three of those days, we have two hygienists. And then one of those days we have a hyg- hygienist that works, uh, assisted hygiene. So we overlap her, her yep. appointments. Um, my big thing with her, and I think she loves it is, she takes care of just the hygiene on those days. Um, she, she comes in, everything's ready for, her, and she takes care of the hygiene, talking to the patient about what they need, and then um, waits for me to do the uh, exam. And then she's on to her next patient. So she doesn't have to take the x-rays. She doesn't have to flip the, flip the rooms. She doesn't have to do all the medical history stuff for the patient. Um, that's done by her assistant. Got it. So, and the practice is busy. Yeah. Yeah. We're busy. I mean, I, I have realized at the end of this year, um, you know, everybody's trying to squeeze in at the end of the year to get, uh, to use those benefits that they can still use in our office. Um, and, and we're busy. I would probably say, you know, that's another thing where it comes to competition with dentists. You know, you talk to another dentist and, and I recently had one at my, my daughter's school and it's just, I'm booked out six months. I can't even take a day off. It's like, now I am not booked out six months. Um, I would, I would probably need to hire another dentist if that were the case. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we're our actual treatment is usually booked out about six weeks. So if I'm, if I'm trying to schedule a crown uh, for yeah. a patient, that's about schedule implant, something like that. That's about six weeks. So let's just summarize you're out of network fee for service, all insurances, and you're not starving. Correct. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. Yeah. If I was starving, we'd have a problem. Yeah. Do you feel like, man, I would, I, I, at any point financially, I wish I would have been in network. Never. I mean, never, <laughs> never crosses I, your mind. No. I mean, the thing is, is when I hear that from another dentist talking about, uh, we're booked out hygiene six months and I can look at my hygiene schedule and I can find a spot here and there, yeah. you know, in, in the, you know, the next couple of weeks, um, you know, I think to myself, oh man, is, should I, should I have that? Um, but then I just look to what we, what we need, what we yeah. need for patients. We don't yeah. have to have, you know, 30 minute hygiene appointments just so we can make up for the, the difference in reimbursement. So the next question someone's thinking is, well, you must have really, really low rates because then people will be fine paying for it. You, you must be really cheap doing, you know, lower fees. I mean, I would say your fees are normal to the high end. Would you agree with that? I would. Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I do a, a fee analysis um, every year 
Uh, I get it. I get a fee schedule analysis and I try to keep my fees roughly in the 80th percentile. Perfect. You know, I, I think 80 to 85, depending on what I'm doing. I mean, there's certain things that are probably a little higher than that, but yeah. that is kind of, I found the sweet spot to where you're not, um, you know, you're not overcharging for what you're doing, but you're, you're, you're making a good, a good number on it. We say to patients, you know, our goal is never to be the cheapest dentist in town. We don't want to be doing yeah. cheap dentistry that we have to apologize for the quality of work we do. But our goal is also not to be the most expensive in town. We want to charge something fair for a high quality service that we can provide to each and every patient. And everybody pays the same amount when they come in. Yeah. Now, the history of this practice, this um, I, I see your numbers every month and you send me your tracker. They're phenomenal numbers. Mm-hmm. I'll just say that I, I, I believe that you're a very top five to 8% practice in the country based on your numbers, what you guys do. It's an amazing, amazing practice. So I can, I can uh, testify that the practice numbers are amazing. There's no doubt that in my mind that you'd ever want to switch from how you're doing it. So, but let's talk about the history of the practice. You know, you mentioned earlier, you knew that you did not want to be an in-network provider. You knew you were looking for something out of network. So what was it about this practice? It was already out of network and you found it how? Tell us some some of that process. Yeah, no, it not, I didn't even know this practice existed initially. And my fourth year of dental school, I um, applied for the, the general practice residency or the AEGD um, here in Augusta, which they're a combined program at the time. Um, and that once I found out I got in, that was a, uh, a residency that focused on implants, complex surgery, complex treatment planning. You know, we had a, a, a prosthodontist that we met with every Wednesday who's the top prosthodontist in the country. So I got a lot of really good experience. Um, mm. And I was at the Christmas party uh, for the residency program when I was a fourth year dental student. And I just happened to ask one of the past residents. I said, hey, I know you were thinking about staying in Augusta for a certain period of time who should I look at as, as a practice to go into? Um, and he gave me Dr. Allgood's uh, number. And I, uh, I called up uh, Andy probably the next week, uh, set up a, a time to meet with him in his office and then set up a dinner with um, him and his wife and my wife. Um, and I never talked to another dentist after that. He yeah. was the only one I talked to about a job and about a practice. We really... Um, aligned in our goals of what we wanted. Then when I found out, of course, uh, that he was completely fee-for-service out of network, then I started, you know, really getting my wheels turning and um, found that out, found out what he did. He did not really do a whole lot of surgery. He tried to focus on the, you know, the cosmetic work. And then also he did some Botox and fillers. So did no root canals, no endo. So I was able to kind of bring a really good, um, extra skill set to the practice that I wasn't going to be worried about taking stuff from him or him taking stuff from me. Yeah. And, um, it started off really well. Uh, and he, he was, uh, I think 69 when I first talked to him. So he was kind of at the point where he was thinking about slowing down or potentially selling. Um, so all those things considered it, it worked out really well. So you went from associate associateship to owning the practice or did you do a partnership? How did you guys do that? No, I went uh, from associateship to owning the practice. Okay. So I, um, I was there about uh, about eight months um, from when I started as an associate to when I purchased the practice. Wow. And, okay, um, quick. He, uh, he stayed on. It was supposed to be a, a year 
for uh, to be an associate and kind of help in the transition. He ended up having some medical issues, uh, which in hindsight, um, you know, he was perfectly fine after them, did okay. Uh, but in hindsight, it actually made the transition a little easier. Uh, you know, patients knew that he was mm. coming back and, and, you know, it's not like they were, they were just stuck with the new guy or anything like that. So it, it actually worked out very, very well. He got his medical stuff taken care of. Yeah. Um, wow. and, the, and the practice was taken care of too. Wow. It sounds like a dream marriage, the way it all worked out for you guys. So, and I've known, I've known Andy for probably 20 years and mm -hmm. I know he's enjoying retirement too. And he knows that his practice in good hands. So that was such a great win-win. Yeah. Now let's go back to what we said. People won't come to see you if you're out of network. So what, what do you say as the dentist to a patient? We'll talk about admin, but what do you say to a patient who says to you, you know, well, do you take my insurance or why don't you take my insurance? How do you handle that as a dentist? I know that's what some of the dentists are thinking is I don't want to have that conversation. I just want to say, yeah, we take the insurance. Come on in. What do you say? So if somebody's asking me, for instance, I'm just talking to somebody, they find out I'm a dentist and then they ask about insurance. Yeah. Uh, my typical response to them in the outside the practice uh, conversation is usually, um, we file everybody's insurance for them. Typically your insurance is going to pay us about as much or if not more than they pay your in-network dentists. Um, and if they're asking why it's typically because I'll just tell them, you know, I, I like to, I like to come up with my own plan for you and plan together so you can see where we're going forward. And, um, and I don't really want that to be dictated by anybody else. Yeah. And, you know, the, the conversation, some patients, which is fine reasonable um but once they once they come in and then the team talks to them about it as well um it usually goes okay yeah do you find that your team has a certain thing they say on the phone to the patient during like a phone call hey yeah i'm calling to see if you take my insurance i'm putting you on a spot here i know you don't answer the phone but you yeah. like them to say it a certain way right i i do and that's just something that you, you've helped with of course in communication um you know, we tend to, I don't really like the, the thought of like trying to hide that fact that we don't, uh, we're yeah. not in network, Good. but the, the typical thing behind that question is, you know, the patient doesn't realize exactly what they're looking for, what they want. Um, they're, they're coached in the medical field to always ask about insurance. That's right. And, you know, and, and our, our medical colleagues, um, have, have not done a great job at, um, and doing that, the out of network thing, you know, yeah. as uh, everything is dictated by in network uh, insurances. So, um, you know what, we try to find out first kind of what's, what's the reason for calling? Why are you, you know, we want to figure out, we want to talk to you. We want to know what's your, um, your concern, kind of what, what would be the reason for calling in? And then we approach the subject of the, the insurance and we right. have our team talk to them about, yes, we, you know, we file the insurance for you. We take care of um, take care of all the, the legwork, the administrative aspect of it for you. Um, and, and I think most of the time my team will tell them, you know, as far as your preventive care, uh, typically your insurance covers most, if not all of it, even in our office, um, the, the rest of it, you know, the rest of the conversations with treatment, uh, tend to go on when I'm in the, you know, they're in my chair. Yeah. Yeah. We, uh, we teach, people how to treat us. 
And that's really what you're talking about. We being medical community, you know, physicians have had a say in that and, and insurance has had a say in that. And we need to have a say in that. And the mistake we've made is that, uh, you know, in network, out of network conversation with dental really is this big thing when it's really not a big thing. You're talking about $1,500 a year, you know, it's, it doesn't even really play this, this huge role that we think it does. And when you're a dentist, the average PPO cost is 43%. So imagine taking 43% of what you're earning right now, Dr. Lopez, and just giving that away to the insurance company for no reason. When you just said it, they actually will pay your fee. They just, they cover your fee, right? Are you, do you hear patients? I mean, other than probably Delta, do you hear patients complain that much about the fee reimbursement they get at home? No, I mean, other than the fact that most people don't want to pay for dental care, but the actual reimbursement of it. uh, No, and I I tend to follow it, too, because you can see what their what the Delta dental, uh, you know, fee is. And it's actually really, really close to my fee anyways. Yeah. Um, Which is, you know, that surprised me initially. But yeah, yeah, the the reimbursement, they they tend to not. Um, really complain much about it because uh, yeah. then they realize once they actually get that reimbursement, they realize that what we've kind of been telling them is true. Yes. That it's not like, Oh, you know, your, your insurance is going to cover a hundred bucks of this. And we just tried to cover that up until we did the ground. Yeah. They, they realize that, Oh, you know, they know what they're talking about. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Love it. We, when, when a patient, here's a coaching nugget. When a patient calls and says, you take my insurance, what we train our offices to do is use transition statements. I'd be happy to help you out with that. Again, my name is Eric and who do I have the pleasure of speaking with? And then we build that relationship and that rapport on the phone with them. So that the insurance isn't the primary point of the conversation. It's not that we're never going to talk about it. It's just not the first thing we talk about. Once they get to know us, like, wow, these people really are sharp. They're savvy. They know what they're talking about. You're building confidence. Uh, in your competence, they see you as somebody who's, wow, they really know what they're doing. I like the way they sound. Then you go back and you start addressing insurance and you explain, we have a lot of patients who have your same exact insurance and here's how we take care of them. And so now they're not feeling like they're being put through, oh, other people do it too. Law of the herd, right? This, this natural law. So it's not that complicated. And I can tell you the effort you have to put into to being this way to collect 100% of your fee, the effort you put in is well worth it compared to writing off 43%. That to me is a bigger headache and a bigger challenge because now I'm limited. Can I give my team members a raise, right? Yeah. I'm working for the insurance company for a fraction of the dollar and I can't give what I want to give to my team. And therefore, I can't even train them the way I want, or maybe I'm not getting the team members that I want or because I can't be attractive for them. So I know you've had your team for a long time. You have a, a yeah. longstanding team and they're a huge part of your success in this, right? Yeah. In my team, I'm, I'm like almost, I'm like the newest actually in it. So, uh, so yeah, they most of them were around before I even joined the practice, um, which has been great. Uh, and it's been great for patients to see, everybody's still around the same faces, um, which is very important for us. Uh, going back to the, the reimbursement, you know, the 43%, um, just think about that as, as dentists, of course, we want to take care of people, um, but it's also our career. So when we have a 43% reimbursement on what I should have made, there are only a couple of ways to make up for that difference. Yeah. You know, you can either try to cut your fixed costs as much as you can by 
using cheaper labs, using cheaper materials. I don't want to do that. Um, mm -hmm. The other thing is make up for it in volume. So that's what, you know, our physician colleagues have had to do. You know, my, my dad's a physician. Um, he's just turned 66 this year and, uh, and he loves what he does, but he still sees 50 patients a day. Wow. And, um, and he's, you know, he's super busy. So you have to make up for that difference, that, that lower reimbursement in volume and in dentistry, that's very difficult to do with high quality. Um, I just feel like the patient's not going to get this experience, you know, whether you're very good at prepping stuff quickly, um, you still have to be in and out of there and onto the next patient. Um, if you're taking half, you know, yeah. so you think about people have to double what they have to do. That's right. Um, I, That's right. I just think you, you change your quality. You just That's have exactly to. Right. You're exactly right. The uh, business triangle choose three, right? It's high quality, great customer service and cheap. You can only pick two of those things. You can't be yeah. all three. You can't offer high quality, great customer service and be cheap. So it's, it's a, you got to decide what you want to be. And everybody's vision is different. There is no one right way to practice. What I want to show people is that, look, you can be this uh, without uh, a lot of stress. You don't have to worry so much about, there are stresses, but they're not the same stresses. So how does, uh, you know, we use, we do our KPIs every month. We look at the tracker. How does that help you? Uh, Y'all looking at my tracker? Yeah, you sending us the Excel spreadsheet every that, month, and we go over it. What, what? How does that help you? It helps a lot because there are little nuances that I still don't know to look for, or I don't know to find. And um, you know, some of them are are telling of we need to you know kind of change a little couple things up. We need to change how we schedule this or that. Other yeah. things are just in, you know good tidbits of information to know. Um, but it's always important to know um, how you're doing compared to last year, how you're, how you're tracking, mm -hmm. how you're progressing forward. Um, ultimately, I've always said, if you're not, if you're not uh, climbing, you're declining. So, ah. you know, if, um, if we're, we're plateauing, then we're leading to a problem in the future. Um, I know y'all have dealt with the whole COVID shutdown and this is mm -hmm. something I've still, um, I still talk to my team all the time. And if, if you don't recover from that shutdown, you're going to constantly see that issue every six months. That's right. Every six yeah. months yeah. you had, you had a, a void in your schedule for, you know, we were very fortunate, um, you know, that we were probably decreased uh, capacity for about six weeks, completely shut down for three of those six. So we didn't get hit as hard as some other people, but, there are six weeks of the year that if you don't make up for that difference, you're going to have that every single six months. It's a ripple effect. Absolutely right. We look at that, we compare it, and we were planning for that and figuring out how to spread that out. So yeah, coaching has been, your team's been fun because they're already so, so really, you guys are so good at what you do already. We are just looking at those nuances and saying, all right, here's how we could tweak these other things where it's new patients, marketing ideas we talk mm -hmm. about, all that. So it's a fun team to work with. So Thank you so much for taking the time out of your schedule to really pour into dentistry and give other, other people some ideas and some concepts and some things to think about. I really appreciate it. Yeah, of course. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah. So just remember this, those that are listening, obviously All-Star can help you with coaching services, KPI coaching services. If you're interested in any of that, you can send an email to heather at allstardentalacademy.com. And thank you guys so much for joining us and in taking time to invest in yourself. And until next time, go out there and be an awesome.
We hope you enjoyed this episode of Dental All-Stars. Visit us online at allstardentalacademy.com.